baseball and postseason fantasy baseball. What up, everybody? Welcome to the show. I guess it's really off-season fantasy baseball. This is FBT. You loyal listeners sticking around during the off-season. I love it. I'm Adam Azar, and here's Chris Towers. Chris, my beard almost as thick as yours. I don't think that's true. Look at uh, it. I'm cultivating, and I think this is like the longest my beard has been in years. I haven't, I haven't trimmed it in like two months. Really? So okay. I'm kind of going wild. I guess, I, I guess, I guess you win. Yeah, I'm not on camera. You win, anymore, Chris. So t- I can just look whatever I look, however I want. Yeah, that's how I feel. I'll take my L. I guess uh, we're going to, uh, as teams get eliminated from the postseason, we will recap their seasons and give you one player who will be better next year and one player who will be worse next year. So we have. Boston and Arizona, and I guess we could have done Colorado, too, and Minnesota, but I don't care about them. They're old news. <laughs> They're last week's news. Uh, John Farrell got fired, and yeah. we'll talk about that, but you know what? Let's talk a little bit about a guy who's pitching in like two hours. We're recording this at 2 o'clock Eastern. Steven Strasburg, at least right now, he's supposed to be pitching. It's been a bit of a saga, and by the time you all hear this, you'll know. Game I have to confess. Uh-huh. Nothing about this makes any sense to me. Like, I don't understand anyone's motivations. I don't understand Steven Strasburg, like, hinting at not pitching. I don't understand Dusty Baker, like, making weird comments yesterday, lying about when he threw his bullpen session. Do you think I don't he, understand he lied why or he, he was just what? Mis- he lied or he was just mistaken? Whatever. I don't know. He said he threw a bullpen session yesterday, and that's why he could, like— it was just – I don't understand why the media is freaking out and, like, trying to, like, hang Steven Strasburg for – like, nothing about this makes any sense. And the fact that Steven Strasburg's going to end up pitching anyway, just, like – it's, like, the worst controversy ever. Well, it's done now. And the thing is, like, if you can have Strasburg pitch on regular rest, he has to pitch. So he's healthy. He's pitching. But what a second half for Steven Strasburg. Steven yeah. Strasburg – Went six and one with an eight point eight six ERA in the second half. Opponents hit one seventy one against him. Now compare that to two seasons ago, two thousand fifteen. Is that like three seasons ago? I mean, I guess not really. Two seasons ago. Two seasons ago. Jake Arietta. So Strasburg is point eight six in the second half. Arietta is twelve and one compared to six and one. Uh point seven five ERA. And 113 strikeouts and 107 and a 30 actually threw, oh, he threw about 50 more innings, 45 more innings than Strasburg. Uh, but very similar ERAs. Opponents hit 148 off of Arietta in that second half. Opponents hit 171 off Strasburg. Amazing second half surge for the Stras man. And I asked you off air, I'll ask you now on the air, cause people care. Who would you take next year? Jake Arietta or Steven Strasburg? You know, Jake Arietta had, uh, a really good second half himself. You sure did. Um, sub three ERA, but I think the answer has to be Steven Strasburg. Don't sell um, him short. It was last fourteen starts. It was a two twenty six ERA for Arietta, and his strikeout rate went back up. But the the thing I look at with with Arietta is even when he was at his best, he was a pretty inefficient pitcher. Like he needed to be the best pitcher in baseball to get to like two hundred and twenty innings, but you know, now that he's not at his best, and I think we can say fairly easily that he's probably more of like a three mid three ZRA, the chances oh, of him pitching two hundred innings in a season are extremely low. And I know the same thing can be said for J- for Steven Strasburg, who has done it one time in his career. 
But with Strasburg, it's about staying healthy. If Strasburg stays healthy, you know, you might get the number one pitcher in fantasy. I don't think that happens with Jake Arietta. Mid threes? Mid yeah. threes for Arietta? That seems harsh. Yeah. All right. I don't think it's harsh. I, I think he's a diminished pitcher. I think that's still very good. Well, but I he... think he's probably a mid three ZRA pitcher with like 180, 190 uh, innings. Hmm. And I, it's, it's a little hard to get excited about that kind of pitcher, especially given the ups and downs we've seen. All right. So the news and notes for you today, the Red Sox are moving on from John Farrell. And I kept meaning to look this up, but I kept forgetting. So let me look it up now. I'm going to say the, uh, what's their name? The Red Sox? That's who he managed. Yeah. I'm going to say they led the American League in steals. I'm just going to say that. Do we know they that? They had a couple of 20 homer got steal guys, right? Oh, boy, I was off. Not by much, though. The Angels led the American League in steals, followed mm-hmm. by— Everybody was running there. Followed by the Rangers and then the Red Sox. Third in the American League. They were sixth in baseball with 106 steals. I, I guess you worry that they'll run a little less, but this is also a team built around a young, dynamic, athletic core with Xander Bogarts, Mookie Betts, Andrew Benintendi. So I think you, you expect those guys to keep running. Um, you know, Benintendi probably has maybe 20 steal upside. Um, but I wouldn't expect a managerial change to change much about them. Okay. And now the other thing is they didn't hit for a lot of power. If they hit more home runs, they're going to steal fewer bases they need some they need some bops for sure they need to they need to go out and get someone who's going to hit some homers um i don't think you can count on hanley ramirez bouncing back or moogie bats to be a 35 homer guy this is a team that probably needs to trade for Giancarlo stanton and miguel sano he's missed so much time with the shin injury he may need surgery on that shin you know i always find it so interesting how it's just like oh guy needs surgery whatever it's just a shin. It's no no big deal. I don't want to have surgery. I don't have any surgery. I don't even want to get my wisdom teeth. I still have my wisdom teeth. I do too. Mine came in mostly okay. Um, but, you know, you see this every once in a while in sports. I remember a couple years ago there were a lot of reports about Carmelo Anthony's knee and how um, he needed to have, like, he had, like, bursitis or one of those things where, you know, he had a lot of swelling on the knee and it was the playoffs. And they were like, he needs to get the knee drained, but he was really like kind of not looking forward to having that done and tried to postpone it as much because they have to take a big ass needle and stick in your knee. I'm sorry if you have to bleep that, but like that's, I'm going to keep it. That's kind of my take is like we treat this stuff. So, so we have such a cavalier attitude about this right, and we yeah. talk like people call Rob Gronkowski soft and it's like, <laughs> no, this stuff sucks. Like Rob Gronkowski has like, broken his back yeah like we we, the way we took like yeah man having surgery on your shin probably stinks you probably have to not move for like a month getting your knee drained is that painful that see that one seems like it's nothing to me i don't want to i don't want a big needle stuck in my knee to pull liquid out of it like nothing about that sounds like fun i feel like it would feel really good to get that liquid out I'll have my knee drain right now. I don't even need it. Like, I'm it in. Could, I mean, there's a chance it could be satisfying. Like, it could be, like, the the world's greatest pimple being popped. <laughs> exactly. There's a little bit of pain, but but afterwards, like, oh. 
Now I get the squeamishness around needles. I'm not. I'm not trying to get a flu shot. I'm not. I'm not here for that. No, I mean the flu only kills people every year. You don't need a flu shot. Uh, confession: <laughs> I've never had a flu shot, but I, I always feel like I should get a flu shot. All right, here's your tweet of the day. It's from our own Good. Chris Towers. Uh, I don't. I just don't understand this. I. I just. <laughs> I don't get it. Maybe I'm missing something. I don't know. But from Chris, gotta be honest. I'm kind of enjoying the freak out over the U.S. Men's National Team. Yeah. And 21 people like this? 21 yeah. people should be kicked off Twitter. Don't encourage Chris. Wait, I mean, yeah, don't like any of my tweets. Like some of them, but not this one. Why are you, why are you enjoying people freaking out over our, our soccer team not qualifying for the World Cup? Well, because first of all, our soccer team just won a World Cup. Uh, let's, let's give some credit to the actual good U.S. soccer team. Uh, we the love women's the, we team love the women's dominates team. every year I and love nobody the cares. Team. They get kicked all out of All of a sudden, we got one dude, this pusillic guy, and all of a sudden everybody's talking about him like he's the best player in the world. That's I, not his I, name, Chris. Look, I root for the, the U.S. men's national team during the World Cup, but I'm not gonna act like I'm heartbroken because some team that I watch every four years isn't gonna play in those four years. Like, but you it's don't have to. Funny. You don't have to enjoy. It's not funny. You don't have to enjoy other people being upset about it. That's kind of funny. Oh God! Because this is like this the guy? one time where Americans get to act like we're underdogs. We are underdogs, and we really relish it. And like sometimes the underdogs lose, guys. That's, you I know what happens in the little anything. giants too? They get stomped by sixty <laughs> points. <laughs> Wait, there's not really a little giants too, is there? There probably should have been. Not if you're right. I want to know it. what happened to the icebox. Who would see that movie? They get stomped by 60 points. It's terrible. Junior's dating a cheerleader and not icebox. Uh, I don't know, man. It's not, it has nothing to do with underdogs. Just that's our country. That's our team. We root for them. I wanted them to go to the World Cup. I watch all the international games. Not, not every single one, but pretty much. Yeah, I watch, I watch a bunch of it. It's, it's, I just think it's funny. Oh. I'm a jerk. I guess. I don't know what the other explanation there could be. But, alright, we're learning more. Who liked that tweet? What's with you people? people? I got that, Adam, I got that dopamine rush every time I get a like, so just keep them coming, people. <laughs> can't spell dopamine without dope, well, you can, I guess you can. You gotta Stop. mix letters up. <laughs> yeah. Alright, let's recap the Red Sox. Uh, one player who will be better next season, Chris Towers. Better. It's actually really easy, and I'm just gonna kinda trample over this whole discussion. It's really easy to find players who are going to be better for the Red Sox next season than they were this year, cause I kinda think everyone, like, except for Chris Sale and Craig Kimbrell, I look at this team and like, nobody really had a great season for this team. Nobody. Am I wrong? Um, no, I don't, no, I don't think you're wrong. Devers, in short amount of time, yeah, he was pretty good, but I think he mostly just lived up to expectations. You know, he played 58 games. He had 10 homers, 34 runs, 30 RBI. And I don't it's think kind he of, was great. It's kind of – I'm not necessarily disagreeing with John Farrell being fired. Like I had been saying – I remember they were underachieving, and I thought he was going to be the first midseason guy to get fired. Uh, and then Heath said, no, actually, they're just going to win the division. So I, I guess we're both <laughs> right. Um, but he's won, I think, 93 games two years in a row. And yeah, the, a lot of those guys underachieved this year. Now, Betts was actually really good in fantasy because he was, his plate discipline was amazing. He stole a lot of bases. He was the number five outfielder in points, number 10 in Roto. Yeah, and I, I just think he's a really easy call 
Uh, I thought he was a really easy call to be kind of a bust this season because I thought he had, you know, you look at pretty much everything he did in 2016 and like he had one of those best case scenario seasons that you see every once in a while where just like every indicator, you know, the, the BABIP was a little bit higher than you would expect. The home run to fly ball ratio was a little bit higher. The, the lineup around him, so the counting stats were great. Everything moved in the right direction all at once for him. And I just think you kind of had the opposite in 2016-17. Like uh, yeah, just, except it's really only the batting average. Be, like, yeah. The home runs went down from 31 to 24, but the steals were the same, 26 steals. The runs and the RBIs both came down, but let's, but he scored 102, he yeah. scored 101 runs and had 102 RBIs. So if Mookie bets, if he, I don't know why he hit 264. His plate discipline improved. He had as many walks as strikeouts. He had a low Babbitt. 268 Babbitt. That's it. Yeah. So, so there's no reasonable, there, there's no, it's perfectly reasonable to expect bets to hit around mm-hmm. 300. If yep. he hits around 300, with 25 homers, 25 steals, 100 runs, 100 RBIs, I don't know that he would have been a bust. I think he's a top five player if he hit, if he does that. Right, but it, maybe not bust. He was a Regression. an easy bet to not be as good in 2017 as he was in 2016. I think he's an easy bet to be better in 2018 than he was in 2017. Yeah, I'll take him over Charlie Blackman next year. Uh, I don't know, just because Blackman gets to play in cores, that's such a big advantage. Maybe I yeah, will he's take, been a thousand OPS guy for like the last year and a half. <laughs> I said that for shock value. I'm not sure. I think they're really close though. They're very close. Um, and Betts yeah. is giving you the last two years. He's giving you a lot. You know, about ten more steals. So that's big. Yeah, it's it's something. Uh, all right. So that's a player who's going to get better. A player who's going to get worse. Do you want me to take this one? I really struggled with this because, like I said, it. I, I look up and down the lineup and, and even, you know, I, Craig Kimbrell, I guess, is probably someone who's going to be worse in 2018 than they were in 2017, but I don't really think that is actionable. He's still an elite closer. I, he, if he has a 2.1 ERA instead of a 1.7 ERA, who cares? Yeah. Maybe Chris Sale just because he's a pitcher and pitchers are just unpredictable, but that guy's about as predictable starting pitchers get you know you know you're going to get what you're going to get from him nobody else really had like nobody played above their heads on this Pomerantz he had a 332 ERA in 2016 and a 332 ERA in 2017 but look at his whip man he had a 135 whip I think yeah 135 whip with a 332 ERA um, maybe that was just unlucky he now Pomerantz like every year it seems like he's really good at stranding runners but yep. I, I also felt this was a difficult question. Who's going to be worse on the Red Sox? And technically, yeah, like, I think Sale will be worse. Cause Sale had a, I think Sale had an ERA over three in both 2015 and 16. That sounds about right. Yeah. But again, like you know, Kimbrell. Like he'll be great either way, but. If Chris Sale has a 3-3 ERA instead of a 2-9-5 ERA, and he strikes out 280 batters instead of 310 or whatever it was, He's still going to be one of the yeah. five best pitchers in baseball. Like there's there's very little downside with Chris Sale. So even if he is worse, I don't think it matters. Yeah, I think that Pomeranz would be my best answer here unless you want to say like Doug Fister. Yeah, I think I think Pomeranz is probably a pretty good bet. All right, let's go on to Arizona then. One player who will be better on Arizona next year, Chris. You know, hey, hold on. Remember 
the humidor could be coming next year. It could be. So why don't we go with a guy that doesn't really rely on power, who actually, you know, there's a chance that A.J. Pollock could benefit from the loss of the humidor because this is a guy who, you know, the 20 homer pop in 2015, the 14 homers this year, that's nice. He can be a, you know, if he's just a 15 homer guy next year, but he benefits from that gigantic outfield in the way that someone like, you know, DJ LeMay who has in Colorado and you see it kind of boosting the batting average on balls and play. I think that's something that we might see in, in Arizona next year is maybe the home runs come down. But because outfielders have to chase so many more balls, that outfield is so big, you know, that could lead to a player like AJ Pollock who has more gap to gap power benefiting. Um, and I, I just think, you know, AJ Pollock was disappointing, but still pretty good. And if he gets that BABIP up to the 320, 330 range, like it's been in the past, I think you're looking at another guy who's probably going to be a 300 hitter with good pop, good spe- speed, and and good run in RBI production if he can stay healthy. Yeah, yeah, I like AJ Pollock. Uh, I thought he got sort of a bad rap this year. He went into a slump in the second half, and people were really mad at AJ Pollock. But I thought he had a nice year, and they're a lot better when he's playing well. Uh, yeah, I, I went with Cattell Marte as a player who will be better. I like the walk to strikeout ratio. He had 29 walks, 37 strikeouts in 73 games. He didn't really do much. You know, I, but I feel like he could be a doubles guy or something like that. Maybe a the, points league guy for Marte. The steals are surprising. Mm-hmm. Why doesn't this guy steal more bases? Yeah, I, I mean, did he steal in the minors this year? He did, and he only stole seven bases this year yeah. in the minors. But he has, but in the he, past, he he's been a twenty-five yeah. to thirty steal guy. Yeah, I don't know. I, I, there's there are skills there for for Cattell yeah. Marte that I think he could be a little bit of a shortstop sleeper. Uh, specific, specifically in points leagues. Who's gonna yeah. get worse on the Diamondbacks next year? He's probably not gonna be on the Diamondbacks next year, but JD Martinez is the obvious call. He had one of the best power seasons in the history of baseball. He's not gonna do that again. I don't, I don't know if we need to spend all that much time on it. Because, not to sound like a broken record, but just like Chris Sale and Craig Kimbrell, if JD Martinez is a little bit worse next season, he's still really good. We're talking about a, a player that since his 2014 breakout, I think he's fifth or sixth in the majors in OPS. Like underrated wow. elite hitter. Yeah, he's so good. He's so good. Uh, so JD Martinez might be a little worse, but he's still going to be great. I went with Granky. Granky was number five in points, number eight in Roto. I just don't, don't imagine that anybody's going to have him ranked in the top eight, but he's got some durability. I mean, we could say that for him. Yeah. And, and that's something. He'll be 34 next year. It's another season with 200 innings. It just feels like because Granky doesn't have great velocity, it feels like someone who could go backwards kind of quickly. But then again, you know, he's dealt with He's already bounced back. He has, yeah. And I was wrong. Like, I didn't really think he'd ever get back to this. But I don't know, man. I just, ah, uh, not feeling it. I'm not feeling it with Granky. I take him top 15. I I, don't, I wouldn't take him top 10. Next I year. think he's like a safe low end number one. Like you don't have maybe the gigantic upside uh, that you know even someone like Robbie Ray I think has more upside than Zach Ranky. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Zach Ranky's so safe at a position where safety is non-existent. Safety first. If you want to take a number one starting pitcher that you just you're probably not going to have to worry about, Zach Ranky's a pretty good bet. 
And one player who will be exactly the same, this is a bonus category for me, because I was going to use Jake Lamb as someone who will be worse. Uh, but I think he'll be mostly the same, except this is really an interesting study for Jake Lamb on well, for fantasy baseball on stats that we can't really control. Because just take a look at the batting average home runs and RBIs the last two seasons for Jake Lamb. 248 this year, 249 last year. 30 home runs this year, 29 home runs last year. So he he hit the same exact average in home runs, almost identical. But mm-hmm. this year, Jake Lamb scored eight more runs and had 14 more RBIs. He also drew 23 more walks. But when you just talk about counting stats and you've got 22 more runs plus RBIs, that's why he was fifth in points leagues this year and was like 13th last year or 14th yeah. last year. He was seventh in Roto this year, and Lamb was 15th last year. So, I mean, like, the, the, the that's runs the team and RBIs. Around him. What'd you say? That's the team around him. Paul Goldschmidt had a better year. Yep, yep. So, right. And and J.D. Martinez obviously helped when he came over. Yep. But I think, you know, I was going to say Lamb would be worse, but you just look at the end-of-season numbers, and he hit 250. And I knew he would—everybody knew he would regress. Like, he can't hit lefties. Yeah. The, the one—the two things that look good for Lamb— is that this particular year, 2017, his home road splits were nearly identical in terms of power. So, you know, maybe the humidor won't affect him. And number two, so bad against lefties. Like, he hits like 170 or something like that yeah. against lefties. But they did face the eighth most left. They had the eighth most at-bats against lefties in baseball. So that's a weird stat that you can't really predict. I mean, you, you Yeah, I mean, I guess, rotations. like, the Dodgers have a lot of lefties, but you probably... It's it's like the Jake Arrieta made ten starts at home, twenty on the road kind of thing. Where right. Ed might just be how the schedule lined up. Yeah, right. So maybe he sees maybe he sees the eighth fewest amount of lefties next next year. Yeah. Who knows? Uh, but Lamb with another solid year and uh, yeah, I don't know. Actually, I don't know the rankings off the top of my head. Do they have Lamb as a top ten third baseman next year? I don't think so. Let me check that real quick. All right. While you do that. I'm very excited about SeatGeek. I'm very excited about SeatGeek because I have been looking for tickets to a Hurricanes football game for next month, and I found some good ones on SeatGeek, and I compared them to another website, and they are about $25 cheaper. Nearly identical. Same section, about two rows difference. About $25 cheaper on SeatGeek. This is the whole point of SeatGeek. They find more tickets. They get more results for you. And they bring in the cheapest results. It's a one-stop shop. You don't have to look at multiple websites. SeatGeek does it for you. Go to a game, a concert, go to comedy, go to theater, whatever you want. Make it happen on SeatGeek. Every purchase is fully guaranteed. You can shop for tickets on SeatGeek with confidence. And if you want to save some money... Use the promo code FANTASY, and you get $10 off your first SeatGeek purchase. Again, after ch- at checkout, you type in FANTASY, you get 10 bucks off your first SeatGeek purchase. I've used SeatGeek for a lot of Yankees games, for football, for a concert. I've, I use SeatGeek all the time. And I tell everybody about SeatGeek, too, and they're all very thankful. So use that promo code FANTASY, 10 bucks off your first SeatGeek purchase. You ready, sir? Yeah. Jake Lamb is 12th in Heath's third base rating. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. All right. So last week we looked at top five at uh, certain positions. I think we did first, second, and third. Let's do the rest. Top five shortstops in Roto Leagues. Elvis Andrews was number one. I told you Elvis Andrews would be number one. Uh, He hit 297 with a career high. He hit a career high in 
home runs, RBIs, runs, and strikeouts. Andrews won. Lindor, two. Jonathan Scope was three. He played five games at shortstop, gained eligibility. But we won't count him. Manny Machado, four. No, Manny Machado, three. No scope. Trey Turner, four in Roto. And Chris Taylor, five. Whew, what's your reaction, Chris? I think this is who Elvis Andrews is now. 20 homer guy? I think I that part is about the the change in the baseball, I think. But yeah, I think he's a 300 batting average, 25 steals, maybe not 20 homers, but probably 15 homers given the uh the park he plays in and you know it's amazing, he's got 5 years left on his deal. Well, you know what else is amazing is he's been around so long that he feels yeah. old, but he's only 29, Elvis Andrews. He's in his yeah. prime. I think he's just kind of peaking right now. You know, when you look at the the batted ball profile, he's hitting fly balls more frequently over the last three years. Uh, you know, up to not a fly ball guy, but he's up to 30 to 32 percent, where he's with 20 percent before. Hard hit rate up to 28 to 30 percent. You put it all together, you know, the seams are a little lower on the baseball, so it travels a little further. And yeah, I think he can be a 15 homer guy. Um, you know, last season and this season, very similar in terms of batting average, in terms of, uh, you know, stolen bases. And then you just add that little extra boost to power on. And I think he's, you know, not the number one shortstop. I would probably lean towards, um, you know, Scott has him number four. Number five, I think. Yeah. In Roto, Scott has Andrews fifth and, and Heath has him ninth. Yeah. I would probably lean more towards where Scott has him than where Heath does. I would probably, I would take Andrews over Segura. Why not? Yeah. And Heath has Segura over Andrews, but I would take Bregman over Andrews, which Heath has, but Scott doesn't. Uh, it depends on the format, I think. If, uh, you oh, know, no, if Scott, he needs oh yeah, bases. Scott does. They're back to back for Scott. Andrews yeah. five, Bregman six. Yeah, I may, I might go, I would probably just change that and go Bregman over Andrews and put Andrews six. Sure. Yeah. Uh, okay. And number five is Chris Taylor. I don't think he's going to be making the top ten or top twelve. Uh, does not rank on either Scott or Heath's lists at any position. I think he's eligible at what, three positions? I don't know what he will be next year. Let's take a look. Uh, second base and outfield. That's it, actually. Okay. He only got 14 appearances at shortstop. Yeah, I mean, um, look, it's easy to throw away second or like late season numbers, but maybe all the good luck just finally caught up to Chris Taylor. In September, he batted 214 with three home runs in a bad month. That would certainly be my, uh, my guess. Yeah. I mean, I, the underlying skill set has just never really pointed to him being the kind of hitter that he was for a long stretch last year. That was shortstops in Roto. How about top five outfielders in points leagues? Charlie Blackman, one. Stanton, two. Aaron Judge, three. Jose Ramirez, who led baseball with 56 doubles at four. And then Mookie Betts, five. So your top five outfielders in points leagues are Blackman, Stanton, Aaron Judge, Jose Ramirez, and Mookie Betts. And Blackman, you know, you said you would take who was it over him? Betts. AJ, uh, Mookie, Mookie Betts. Okay. So then so, I then I kind of backtracked. 
I, yeah, the agent. thing with Charlie Blackman is I, I the home road splits are obviously insane, but he's going to keep playing a course. And something clicked in the second half of the 2016 season. He went from being a mid-800s OPS guy to hitting 338 with 1,000 OPS in the second half of 2016. And then he carried that over and was just consistent pretty much all year. He had a couple of, like, the down months for Charlie Blackman now are what his peak used to be. You know, his down months are at a high 800s OPS. I'm buying into Charlie Blackman as, like, someone we need to consider in the top half of drafts. I'm not sure how much Aaron Judge I'm going to have. Because, like, look at what he's doing right now against the Indians. I know he's faced good pitching, but yeah. he's one for 15 with 12 strikeouts. Like, come on, dude. It just, it doesn't take much, it seems, to get him off kilter, probably because he's so tall and, like, tall people are not, are tricky in baseball. Because mechanics yeah. are so important. And it's, it often takes a while for tall players, especially pitchers, to figure it out. And Judge hit 52 home runs, okay? Like, he was awesome. Yeah, it's two, but the 284, like, he feels like a two, 260 at best hitter to me. I don't know. I know he hits the crap out of the ball. That's going to help. But, uh, yeah, yeah he's, I mean, he's frustrated. I remember in the first half of the season, there was a lot of talk of like, well, Aaron Judge is going to be a, you know, 370 Babip guy. And he ended up hitting with, with a 357 Babip. And he's a, he's a tale of two seasons guy. The first half of the season, you know, he was striking out a lot, but not alarmingly so. You know, we talked a lot early on about how he had, had really, gotten the strikeouts down to a manageable rate, you know, 28% rather than 35%. And then in the second half, the strikeout rate was in that, you know, 35% range for, you know, long stretches. He actually got it down to 32%. If that's where it ends up, that's pretty good. But I think he's probably, like you said, more of a 260 batter. I'll take 260 with 50 homers. I just He's not a first-round pick, so for me anyway. Probably. Definitely not in points. Maybe in Roto. Maybe in Roto. Uh, although I mean, he does wh- walk wh- so much, so that helps too. What would be the argument for taking him over Stanton? Health. But that's the other thing. Like He was dealing with a shoulder injury, so you could look at that as a, as a good thing, actually, that he dealt with a shoulder injury for much of the second half, and that could have contributed to the slumping. Um, yeah, I, I, I would just say health, but they are pretty similar. I think the best format for Aaron Judge is a categories league that has on base percentage. Oh yeah, definitely. Like, like he, he's a first round pick there for sure. Yeah, I buy into that. All right, let's go to um, starting pitchers. Top five starting pitchers. Kind of a boring list. Top five starting pitchers in roto leagues this year were Kluber, Sale, Scherzer, Kershaw, and Strasburg. Kluber, Sale, Scherzer, Kershaw, and Strasburg. Now, Kershaw had a pretty terrible year for Kershaw. I mean, 231 ERA, .95 whip. Actually, both highest in five years for Kershaw. And if he's actually, like, if that's going to be Kershaw from now on, like, still amazing, but but only, like, normal amazing, then he probably shouldn't be the first pitcher taken because he's got, like, chronic back issues. Yeah, I think you have to be really concerned about the chronic back issues. And part of the reason why he was a top five starting pitcher this season 
uh, even though he only threw 175 innings as he won 18 games. That's not going to be predictable, even on a great team, because, you know, in 2015, he threw 232 innings and won 16 games. That stuff just fluctuates. So I think you throw that out. But look, he's absolutely one of the first three or four pitchers off the board. It's not like, you know, all these guys, with the exception of Chris Sale, are, are starting to get into their 30s if they're not there already. I know Scherzer and Kluber already are. Kershaw will be 30 next season, so there's also the chance that, you know, they all slip just a little bit. Um, yeah, I'm probably not taking any of them in the first round, but I, that kind of goes without saying when it comes to me. What about you, Adam? Who, Scherzer or Kershaw? Any of them. Yeah, I'll take one of them. I'll take either of those guys in the first round. Yeah. I might even take Kluber. You know, well, we'll see. Like, like those guys just feel safer to me than than Aaron Judge. You know, I'm I'm old enough to remember when one Adam Azer said that Corey Kluber was not an ace. <laughs> well, I'm not. I don't remember that at all. I'm old enough to remember when Chris Towers burned the American flag after the Whoa! U.S. Men's National Whoa! Team lost. This is that is that is libel. Or slander. Yeah, yeah. It's a blasphem. Um, yeah, no, I, I was clearly wrong about Kluber. He's incredible. <laughs> I heard something interesting about Severino on the, uh, broadcast. Tom, who the heck was it? Tom Berducci was saying that Severino lost weight after 2016 and okay. got more flexibility, which helped with the life on his pitches. And I heard yeah. that and I'm like, I'm like, how is a fantasy analyst supposed to be able to forecast something like that? There's a lot that goes into it, you know? And that's the thing with pitching. And this is why, you know, a big part of why I don't like investing is it's just, it's so hard to predict, you know? Yeah, it is. Some small offseason change turns this guy with obvious talent, but not much track record into one of the best pitchers in baseball. And I really do think Luis Severino is a guy who, you know, if he's a top three, top two starting pitcher next season, I wouldn't be surprised at all. Top five relievers in points leagues, not counting Sparps, so just closers. Kenley Jansen, Craig Kimbrell, Alex Colomay. Uh, I was going to do the Colomay, but I won't. Alex Colomay, Corey Knable, and Roberto Ozuna. It's all about saves. I mean, in points leagues, mm-hmm. it's all about saves. What else can you say? I mean, you know, Wade Davis was incredible this season and didn't end up as a top five closer because he didn't have the save opportunities that we were hoping for. Nate, I, I not think really he, that close either. But but Ozuna was fifth. He was a hundred. He was nearly a hundred points worse than than Kimbrel at number two. Because so, you look at Kimbrel had the incredible performance and a bunch of saves. Yeah. Robert Roberto Ozuna was pretty good. You know, had, had ten some saves. 39 saves. He had 50 save chance, 49 save opportunities. Yeah. That's, but lot. I still think you, you don't look at saves when you're, when you're drafting these guys. You look at the guys who are in the role, just rank them who you think is the best and hope the guy that you took gets the most save opportunities. Except the Cubs don't, had two years in a row, not but a lot the of Cubs saves. weren't any, weren't nearly as good. That, like, that I know. Was, but look at, what, look Cody Allen. Thought. It's the weirdest thing. Like Cody Allen is the weirdest thing. He gets like low 30 saves every year. Like, uh, what's his name? Uh, Alex Colomay had 47 saves this year. Cody Allen's yeah, a, a better pitcher. The like, reason we thought, and, and I think in 2016, I think it was, the Blue Jays had like two save opportunities in the month of April. 
Like that yes. stuff just, it's so unpredictable. The reason we thought the Cubs might not get as many safe chances is because last year they blew everyone out. This year they didn't. I know, I know. But, okay, Cody Allen is the weirdest one though. Cody Allen has never had more than 34 saves. And that just the last three years, last, I don't know who, if he was the closer the entire year for 2014. I, I don't remember all the, all the circumstances, scenarios, but he's been a great pitcher for four years in a row. Yeah. And he never gets that many saves. It's the weirdest thing. All right, so here's probably why. Um, in his 69 appearances, he pitched in the seventh or eighth inning 16 times. I would guess that's just not true for Roberto Ozuna. I would guess Roberto Ozuna didn't pitch in the in the seventh or eighth inning all that often last season. Yeah, probably not. And so Cody Allen's one that because we know Terry Francona, yeah. Roberto Ozuna pitched four times in the eighth inning in 66 appearances. Because we know Terry Francona does use his relievers, I would say in a more optimal way, but certainly in a different way than most managers do, he's probably going to get fewer save opportunities than you would expect given how good he is and how good his team is. Let's read a few emails. Fantasy Baseball at CBSI.com. This is from Ryan. He wants uh, three keepers from this group. He's already keeping Trout, Altuve, and Correa. So no That's pitchers. pretty good. That's very good. Uh, three keepers from Daniel Murphy, Gary Sanchez, Jacob DeGrom, Jose Ramirez, Reese Hoskins, J.D. Martinez, Cueto, Carrasco, Granke, Tanaka, Justin Upton, K. Riss Davis. All right, let's eliminate some people. Reese Hoskins eliminate. Yep. I think J.D. Martinez eliminate. Cueto eliminate. Tanaka eliminate, and Justin Upton and Chris Davis, I think you have to eliminate. Which gives us Daniel Murphy, Gary Sanchez, DeGrom, Jose Ramirez, Carrasco, and Granke. I'm going to go a little off script and take DeGrom. I just think you have so much offense already. Go get a pitcher. I agree. Gary Sanchez, I think, is an obvious call because he's the top catcher. And then I'm torn. Between Daniel Murphy, Jose Ramirez, and Carlos Carrasco. I'm not. Okay. Carrasco. Yeah, I guess it's just a... I want that second pitcher. Yeah, do you want that second pitcher? Can you get a Chris Sale, you know, coming yeah, into the draft true. because you're so, you're already so top heavy? Do you just throw all your draft resources at Chris Sale if it's an auction? That might be the option. Um, but you you might reach a point of diminishing returns on offense once you have Trout, Altuve, Correa, and Gary Sanchez. You filled up three of the toughest positions to fill. This is from Isaac. It's time for start limits. Uh, he's not in favor of two start pitchers. He wants start limits. I mean, it 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 all depends on what kind of league you want to play. And if you're in a hyper competitive league where you want to know, and I know this is. This is where Scott White, this is what Scott White lives for. Is he wants to know that the best fantasy baseball player won. A hundred percent. The person who's willing to put in the most time, the person who does the most research. And I think that's, that is perfectly fine. And if that's the case, you should not have start limits. Because the, the ability to spend that time, that's, that's all part of winning. But if you're just looking for, you know, everybody to be on relatively equal playing field. Like fantasy, if you're looking for a fantasy football type experience, it would kind of suck if one person was able to start three quarterbacks and the other person only had one just by luck, you know, by fluke. So uh, 
It depends what your experience, what experience you want with your game. I mean, if you play in a in a categories league, like a weekly categories league, head to head, you absolutely have to have innings limits. I don't know if it needs to be starts limits, but you need to have an innings minimum and an innings maximum. Um, if if, if there are daily transactions, otherwise, yeah. then it's just like the guy who has the mo- or the girl who has the most time is making transactions all the and time I, and beating. That's you. why I don't like daily transactions and daily lineup leagues because it just you're giving too much of an advantage to the guy who's willing to be the most uh, anal retentive. But the one I'm in isn't one. like that. Like the one I'm in is really well run. It's yeah, but if you have limits, but yeah. You, but you know, you have to have those limits. You do, yeah. Uh, and if you're in a weekly head-to-head points league, like I got no problem with people streaming two-star pitchers because a lot of times they drop good pitchers weekly. Yeah, yeah, weekly. Again, daily, daily, especially in head-to-head points leagues. There's almost no downside to throwing out any yes. crappy pitcher there. Right. No, you can't. Yeah. Agreed there. All right. Leah in Canada said, I won my league and I was the only girl to make it into the playoffs. Thanks for all your help. I will be listening in the off season. Happy to send you a box of donuts or something else weird and hip that everyone is eating these days. If you give me your office address, Chris, uh, we will definitely give the office address. <laughs> okay. I'm going to put that in your hands since I don't work in the same office as Chris, <sighs> man. I'm, I'll do it. Okay. I'll try good. to remember. Is it going to be I'm donuts? I'm really notoriously bad at remembering anything. Chris is the cool one, so he would know what the what the kids are eating these days. Donuts uh, good are or cronuts not? still a thing? I don't even know what those are, but I heard that word like the other day. It's a donut made with uh, croissant dough, which is wow. a different kind of dough. It requires like folding cold butter into Ooh. your... I don't know. Boy, that is interesting. interesting. Yeah, come on, it's a New York thing. You should, you should be able to find them. Yeah. Uh, and also, Leah says, also ate one of my kids' mini raisin boxes last night. Raisins are underrated. I stand by that. Yup. Because she offered to give us donuts, <laughs> I won't comment <laughs> on raisins. <laughs> and finally, Chris Richards in Plover, Wisconsin. That sounds like a very cold place to be. Yeah. Plover, Wisconsin. Um, I have a lot of good keepers. We can protect three players, but I have five guys I really like. So pick three. Gary Sanchez, Cody Bellinger, Giancarlo Stanton, Aaron Judge, Freddie Freeman. Sanchez, Bellinger, Stanton, Judge, and Freeman. Assuming they all cost the same, I think Sanchez, Stanton, and Freeman are the answer. You're keeping Sanchez over Aaron Judge. I think so. You're drafting yeah. Sanchez over Aaron Judge, then. I don't know. <laughs> and I was thinking the same thing, but then I was like, well, that means I would rather have Sanchez than Judge next year. I might. He's he, he's a catcher. Yeah, I mean, and and, and he's really, really good mm-hmm. as a catcher. I mean, this this might be someone who, if he stays healthy, hits forty homers next season. Yeah. Um. And it it might be as simple as I want Sanchez on my team more than Judge, but in a draft next March, I might feel like I can wait 12 picks and get Sanchez versus Judge. Mm -hmm. I don't know if that makes sense. It does. It sure does. Okay, Chris Towers, way to go. Thank you, sir. Thank you. All right. Go USA. Women's soccer. We're all about it now. They're all we've got. The World Cup we care about is in 2019. And basketball is about to start. Sorry for your Knicks. Sorry for my Knicks. Absolutely. Okay, thank you all for listening. 
And uh, we'll talk to you next Wednesday. Take it easy, everybody.